Thank you for listening to the Dead Sea Podcast with your host, Daishik Kim. I'm here with Joel Davis, a friend that I have not known that long. We met a couple weeks ago in Dallas yeah. uh, at the FTE mm-hmm. fun for- forum, forum forum for theological exploration. It used to be fun. Yeah, about that money. But no, they wanted to they wanted to break it open and have it more inclusive and and welcoming to voices just leading the way instead of saying, "Hey, we're just going to throw money at you." Mm-hmm. And I so. met Joe on the on the shuttle to the training facility. Yeah. So we're both yeah. uh, participants of this FTE conference. Shout out to FTE. Yeah. Woo woo. And uh, <laughs> as as I got on the shuttle with my friend who was also on the shuttle from Seattle, we Joe walked in, very friendly dude. First impression I got was, man, this guy. <laughs> I didn't even connect you with being part of fte because oh, i didn't right. know that was this shuttle was going to that place okay yeah so i just thought you were a very friendly dude just came <laughs> in introduced yourself how you doing i don't know yeah. if you assumed we were part of fte i didn't know what was going on actually i i think i thought some of you may have been and some of you might not have been so i was yeah. just i usually just talk to everybody anybody on the street just <laughs> That's awesome. I mean, I try yeah. to do that, but maybe that five-hour flight kind of <laughs> slowed me down. But yeah. you came in with energy, and you sat down, and little did I know, you are apparently are known in the FT community. <laughs> um, you, you've been around a couple times, and also mm-hmm. people know you as a spoken word artist, mm-hmm. as a poet. Some conversations later, I got your card, and you're doing some tours coming up. Yeah, yeah, I have a national tour in the fall, the Rise Up Together tour. With uh, Agape and Rachel Kurtz. Cool. And that's uh, consisted of spoken word artists? Yes. Yeah. Um, I'll be doing spoken word. Agape is a hip hop artist and Rachel Kurtz is a singer songwriter. So awesome. a little bit of something for the whole family. And it's called yeah. Rise Up? Yeah. Rise Up Together Tour. Yeah. What's the purpose of the uh, event or the tour going on? Yeah. It's it's pretty much, I mean, the the climate of our, our culture right now, I think, really needs healing and reconciliation and so i think the purpose of it is just to bring people together just to celebrate unity um i'm speaking life to communities across the nation so that's, that's really what we're focused on awesome how long yeah. have you been doing this craft spoken word oh man well i i say i've been writing ever since i could hold a pen um and just expressing myself creatively but really when i started identifying as a spoken word poet i would say in my teens was when you know it really i took it more seriously okay and it was uh did you always combine spoken word and your passion with that with Mm -hmm. uh your experience going on i know Mm -hmm. on your card i have it right in front of me it says poet teacher and activist yeah and it's and i really like that you're upfront about that right under your name Mm -hmm. you know those three things um stick out because they defined you uh, you Absolutely. know, as a teacher, as a poet, as an activist, was that always mm-hmm. the case when you know you said you started getting passionate in your teenage years? Yeah, I it took me a while to really discover that within myself because I feel like it was ar- always there. I w- always cared a great deal about my community and and things going on in the world, and I wrote about those sorts of things, but I didn't fully understand how that intersected with my art. Um, like when I first started writing. Uh, it was just for fun. It was just like I even as a little kid on the playground, I would write little love letters to uh-huh. girls on the playground, you know, get get a little kiss behind the swing set or whatever. Yeah. And that was, you know, it was just fun. That's that's what I did. It was all it was all 
good times. Joe Davis on the playground. Yeah, I was a little play on the playground when I was a little shorty. But it changed. It changed, you know. Um, and, and not to say that I don't still write um, like love poems and um, things of that nature. But um, as my eyes opened up and I really saw things that were going on in my community and, and wanted to do something about it, I realized that my voice uh, was uh, an agent of change. Like I could use my voice to influence and inspire people and make those changes happen that I wanted to see. So that's when I was like, yeah, this is this is it for me. You know. And now this is what you're doing now. You're teaching, mm-hmm. you're teaching youth. Yeah. And this is happening, I believe you mentioned off air, uh, Minnesota. Yeah, yeah, I live in the Twin Cities, Minneapolis, Minnesota, mm-hmm. North Minneapolis, yeah. Love and what are you there. doing there? Is it a, like an after-school program or? Yeah, I'm doing a lot of things out there. Actually, uh, I just got finished serving almost uh, two year, uh, two years out there, two terms, um, with the church as poet in residence and youth organizer. So I did work at an after-school program, but I also did uh, I organized a youth group every Wednesday called Treehouse, which is just like a safe space for for teens to get together. Uh, be vulnerable and build community you know a lot, a lot of them were struggling with really hard issues in their families and just uh had a time and a place for them to come together and support each other um so i you know i helped out with that uh i, I taught six classes six middle school classes every friday wow. at, a, at a school and so yeah the, i was busy out there man it's it's yeah there was a lot going on but it was fun no i did most of it had to do with youth and the arts in some way shape or form so and someone like you joe who has a passion for art right mm-hmm. and a, yeah. a passion for voice and a passion for spoken word and in, in particular i've heard comments and i've heard people say that art is a good tool for people to express themselves mm-hmm. but for someone to kind of change their mindset on life mm-hmm. um how much can art really do yeah it kind of um, some people go as far as saying it, it affirms the people who already have passions for mm-hmm. these issues, whether it's social justice or reconciliation. Mm-hmm. But for people who don't have that mindset, can it really be a transformative thing for them? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I would strongly disagree with that, actually, because for one, I would ask them what they would define as art. Um, if we look at how much we encounter art on a regular basis, I think we would be overwhelmed because you look at the the movies, not just movies, but you look at television and the commercials, you look at radio, music, and all these things as art, right? There, There's artists who are creating these things, and we encounter that regularly every day of our lives. And when we hear these messages and when we see these images, that becomes a part of you, like what you see and what you think you become. And whether or not you even realize it. So that's why I think art is so powerful and so transformative. Is because it's all around us. And it's not only, um, you know, affecting this world. I mean, it is. It's affecting this world. It's affecting us, you know, in such a really deeply intricate way that we may not even realize. It. I think that's why people say things like that. Because you may not even realize it. It's almost like it's so. Mm. Especially in such a consumer culture like America, right? Where yeah. we're just like feeding ourselves constantly. Yeah. Whether it's through advertisement, through mm-hmm. influences in our country, role model celebrities. We're just continuing mm-hmm. to feed this beast inside of us. And you're yeah. saying art is a way to continue that feeding process. But yeah, but it's more. like, what are you feeding, right? right. If, if you're feeding it in a healthy way. 
um, if you're feeding good things, then good things will grow. If you're feeding that negativity, then that's what's going to grow. So, how is yeah. teaching poetry and just writing in general to teenagers who uh, is it? What are some struggles? What are some things that you have to face? Uh, is, is this like an inner city area or yeah? Okay, yeah, North Minneapolis. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's. I mean, North Minneapolis has been so stigmatized. Um, if you Google North Minneapolis, chances are you're gonna get the crime rate. You know, you hear all these stories. Uh, people are scared of North Minneapolis, but I've lived there and I've had no problems. I think you find what you look for. Right. And the kids that I've worked with are absolutely brilliant. Um, just some of the most beautiful, intelligent kids that I've I've ever met in my entire life. And I think the challenges that I that I have are really just the lies, you know, the lies that the kids have been taught and um, that they have to fight against because they come to believe them, that they're they're not capable, that um, they can't change, that they're not worth anything. And then when they start to believe that, and, and then I come in, I have to convince them otherwise, you know, I, um, at least I kind of take that upon myself. I'm not the only one there. It's, it's like a, a support team, a whole community, you know, it takes a village. But um, I think for me, that's what I see as one of the biggest challenges is when the youth don't even feel that they can change anything. They don't feel no, they don't feel anyone's listening to their voice. So society kind of dehumanized them already. And yeah, just, uh, you know, their mindset is now that how much can they amount to? Mm -hmm. Like, what's what's their ceiling? Yeah, this whole, uh, you know, I see it. It's this false advertisement of equal opportunity right Mm -hmm. i work in a pretty um middle upper class suburbia ministry setting right now okay and you know i I try to gain you know have the youth that i work with gain perspective on where they come from Mm -hmm. and not to you know just soak in guilt and remorse but hey you're in a public school system each of you gets assigned an ipad (laughs) you drive 20 minutes south to um, rainier district or any Anywhere down south, Tacoma even, mm-hmm. one kid is sharing a textbook with 20 students. Yeah. And it's pretty beat up. Disparities, man. Just right. And, and this is a public school system, free mm-hmm. education. And, you know, it, it starts at the systemic level. Yes. And you're addressing that with your youth and, you know, mm-hmm. recognizing it, but also empowering them that just because uh, the situation is what it is, um, mm-hmm. th- there's a way out. Yeah. And you're using spoken word mm-hmm. as a tool. Yes. How are you incorporating that into the the message you're trying to... I guess, preach to your kids. Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, I just let them know that their voices are valuable and appreciated and that they can create change um, and that they shouldn't fear that power that they have because they're taught to suppress that. You know, they're taught to, to shut up and sit down and listen and pay attention. But rarely are they given the platform. So one thing I believe in is teachers teaching teachers. And that's where I always tell my my students, one of the first things I say, I say, I'm not an expert, I'm an enthusiast. Mm -hmm. And that I can learn just as much, if not more, from you as you'll learn from me. So I want them right away to feel empowered and to know that I'm not like some gatekeeper of knowledge and and, and information. You know, that they too have a wealth of experiences that other people can learn from. So um, I just want to want them to open up their eyes and open up their hearts to that truth. I think once they really get that, when they really start to understand that, because it doesn't happen like necessarily on the first day, first class, whatever. You know, you have to build relationships and, and, and pour into each other. But once they start to open up and blossom and like, yeah, you know, I got this. I, can, I am powerful. I am beautiful. My voice 
um, matters and I need to speak out on things that I care about. And when they start to develop that as like a lifestyle and as a culture and live into that truth, then that's that's the sweet spot. That's when really cool things start to happen. It's a much more fruitful relationship when it's uh, an exchange instead of one person dominating over the other. I, I mean, honestly, like I'm not trying to be super deep or anything, but I feel like that's one of the core problems with the system and the institutions is that we're not we don't have an exchange. We're not sharing power. We're lording power one over the other. There's a power over instead of a power with. Um, and and in you know my small way, um, that's how I push back. You know, saying you know I maybe I've been given, um, you know whatever power that I have, I'm gonna share it with whoever I can. Those who feel disempowered. Right. It's this whole notion of if you want a voice, you want the power, you have to climb this ranking. There's a class yeah. system that goes on. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm, I mean, I'm looking at your shirt right now. Dr. Oh, King's yeah. on it. The legend yeah. it says dreamer right across. And I'm assuming that he is one of your inspirations. Yeah. When it comes Absolutely. to speaking in general, public mm-hmm. speaking, spoken word. Yeah. Can you name some other people that really influence your life at a yeah. young age even mm-hmm. and introduce you to this avenue of letting your voice be heard yeah yeah dr king is always even as a child he's been been uh one of my largest influences i mean uh, the shirt says you can kill a revolutionary but you can't kill a revolution Mm -hmm. and so i've always been drawn to people who were revolutionaries who were radicals um malcolm x as well i think think great orders like that they were poets in their own rights um just the way they they uh use language in a creative and powerful way to to move people not just to like stir them and stir their spirits and change their thinking but actually mobilize people people were were encouraged by the words to even stand in the face of like snarling dogs and and police batons you know um but yeah king x uh my angelo langston hughes i got on langston hughes at an early age uh, he's a, he's a poet coming out of the harlem renaissance in the 1930s um really love his work um who else did i get into as a kid as a kid i really got into even just like dr seuss mm-hmm. you know what i mean i i joke sometimes i think I, I have a rhyme i haven't used it on an album or anything but i say i got rhymes like dr seuss gave tupac the juice okay and so you know that's kind of my style is like blending uh hip-hop culture and just like a playfulness um like a sing-songy rhyme just just having fun just celebrating celebrating the revolution i think we need a joyful revolution right. Right. So so people um, who like, you know, Gandhi, Mother Teresa, I could go down the list. Uh, uh, Sada Shakur, um, those kind of people who who spoke truth to power, but did it in a creative and a beautiful way. And, and even if at times it seemed like it was it was harsh, um, I still sense the joy. Like I think Malcolm X sometimes is painted as is really militant like dark figure but man there's, he had a lot of joy in his life too and, and he went we through a transformation at. process himself yeah absolutely. i mean started it off hating the white community right yeah with this whole uh, mindset of the white devil mm-hmm. and him on his journey when he went to mecca it's like hey you know what i see white brothers right brothers and sisters worshiping together right right yeah and maybe this is this is what the kingdom looks like okay mm-hmm. yeah change and just always wrestling and uh, there's not you can't really blame him for having that original mindset i mean his mm-hmm. father was yeah killed oppressed killed 
Um, he ended up getting assassinated, ironically, by mm-hmm. um, his old community. But yeah. even so, right, I totally get what you're saying. Is I think he's viewed as this over-militant, wants to kill everybody. Uh, it's very not. misunderstood. And even mm-hmm. on a lighter side, Dr. Seuss, I don't think people realize he's a lot deeper than people yeah, think. Yeah, right? For yeah, real. He, he started in. off as uh, he wanted to write for adults at first. But it just wasn't selling like he like he wanted to. So he wrote for kids. But I think the stuff that he wrote for kids is incredibly relevant for adults. Like there's there's deeper messages going on when you're reading like the Lorax and and you know there's you gotta look at the messages in there, man. There's a lot of good stuff, a lot of gems. As a poet, as a lyricist, Joe, how mm. much do you care about people getting the message? Mm. I think people generally enjoy what you're doing. Mm-hmm. But for example, like Kendrick Lamar, yeah, I think he's doing a lot of great things with his music, revolutionizing mm-hmm. in his own right. Yeah. At the same time, I I still feel like even though Complex magazine and articles are being written about the deeper me- meaning behind "To Pimp a Butterfly" and mm-hmm. "Good Kid, Mad City," I don't think I I think people still are confused on what he's trying to do. Mm. He's still really catchy. Mm-hmm. People are swi- uh, singing songs like uh, swimming pools, yeah, and not knowing that it's a satire. That yeah, he's actually exposing and right party lifestyle. Exactly. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, his avenue, his audience mm-hmm. is a lot larger than someone who's very direct with what he's trying to say, like Lecrae, yeah, or someone. I mean, I'm just thinking about yeah, uh, in the hip hop world. Yeah, for yourself, Joel. I don't mm-hmm. know how direct you are with your message, mm-hmm. but how much does that matter that people are understanding what you're trying to say clearly? Yeah. Yeah, that's that's a great question. I feel that actually it's kind of funny. I feel like I've gotten less direct over the years um, and starting off um, earlier on as a writer, I always wanted to like make sure people get this, get what I'm saying. I want them to understand. I want them to feel me. And I still have that. Like I always want people to feel me. Um, but now... For me, it's just more important that they feel something, no matter what it is. Even if they don't get exactly what I'm trying to say, um, there's there's this um, there's this common saying, um, common concept in in art, and it says like death to the artist or death to poet. And what that is is like once you create and you let go of your art, it's no longer yours. Like people are gonna interpret that however they want because we all bring our different experiences to the table. And no matter how vividly I try to to paint my blue, someone still may see it as like a green or something. You know what I mean? Because we all have these different perspectives. Um, there's light is gonna hit it at different angles from where we're coming from, where we're traveling from. So, um, in that regard, I feel I've become less direct because um, I like the possibility of people bringing their different stories. Um, into the context of what I'm saying and that makes it more more exciting more adventurous more beautiful I I appreciate that diversity so um I feel that I have parameters maybe where where like I'll say something and I know people are going to get generally what I'm trying to say for the most part Mm -hmm. but then I'll leave it leave it open-ended and um, allow them to interpret it from their own point of view you ever got feedback um of a piece you did that they're like I love what you said about this and they're Mm -hmm. like totally from left field and you're like (laughs) Oh, okay. I, I didn't know that's what I was saying, but... Yeah, I've, I've gotten some pretty wild stuff sometimes. Like, I didn't even know. Like, I never even thought about that before. But it's cool because then it introduces a new thought to me. I'm right. like, yo, I never even considered that before. So, yeah. Do you feel like there's 
there's somebody that you look up to an icon that you feel like is the most misunderstood i know we hmm. mentioned malcolm x yeah um dr seuss i have a lot um i can talk a lot about c.s lewis how i feel like people don't really understand where he was coming from hmm. that he is one of the few theologians who have been appreciated by extreme conservatives and extreme liberals. Just everybody mm. loves C.S. Lewis. <laughs> yeah, because that's real. I think there's a beauty behind that. Like you were saying, there, I think he knew, and he spoke a lot through literature. Mm-hmm. Um, but I also, you know, my conviction, he was a lot more liberal than people realize. Mm, I could see that in some yeah. of the stuff. Yeah. That but do you have an example of that? Like yeah. that pe- mm. you just wish people dug a little deeper in. Maybe it's like a yeah. Kanye West or... I mean that's actually a good point. Yeah, I do think that Kanye is, is actually very misunderstood. Yeah. Um, it's funny. Initially, I, I thought of I actually thought of Jesus. I was like, I'm not trying to okay. give a textbook answer. They say you can answer Jesus to anything, right? But no, for real. I think I think Jesus was talking about a lot of things that people don't even think he was talking about, and some of the things they think he was talking about, I don't think he was. Yeah. You know. Um. So yeah, I could. We could. Anybody could talk forever about jesus you know the the most celebrated and most controversial figure of all time right um yeah kanye west is another i mean he called himself jesus you know what i mean kanye would love that we're talking in the same breath about him and jesus he would yeah yeah i remember there's a quote uh from kanye he said uh he felt he feels like if the bible was rewritten today He'd be one. He'd there'd be a book on him, like the book of Kanye or whatever. Like, okay, he'd be like he, he's that important. That's what he feels. But uh, yeah, I don't know. This is crazy, man. I mean, I yeah. did hear somebody. Re- I, I I do have a soft spot for Kanye. I think mm-hmm. he's very misunderstood. <laughs> I think his next album is gonna stir some things up. Yeah, he already released a couple of singles like All Day. Mm-hmm. Um, for him to be that bold to release a song called Black Skinhead. Mm, that's, yeah, that was huge. Yeah. And so this this guy I was talking to told me um, that he loves Kanye, and I think mm-hmm. his love surpasses mine. And he <laughs> talked about that whole Taylor Swift debacle that oh, happened. Oh, yeah, yeah. I'm going to let you finish, but... Yeah, yeah, yeah. And he said, you know what? What people don't realize is that is what it looks like to speak up to power sometimes. It's looking <laughs> like the jerk. It's looking like that yeah. person who's going to get caught drunk. He needs to go to AA meetings, etc. Yeah. But... Kanye knows who the most talented person was. It's <laughs> that's Beyonce. a whole different context, though. Yeah. Right, right. I, I feel you. I feel you. But that's a completely different I, context. I think it, was, it, it may <laughs> have been a stretch, but it, I, <laughs> I just looked at that. I was like, man, Kanye, that's you're making real. it so difficult for me to back you as a <laughs> nobody like myself who yeah. wants to back him in front of all my friends. It was like the only thing good about Kanye is his first two albums, blah, 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 mm. the cliches we hear. Yeah. But, I mean, he's he's real, man. 808 Heartbreaks, I didn't it like that much. Wasn't the best one. But, yeah. That was such a raw album. Every mm-hmm. song was about his emotions when um, he was going through the death of his mother. Yeah. Like his mom just died. And rappers don't talk. I mean, on a mainstream level, rappers don't talk about emotions the way he did. Right. And he took the auto-tune to a whole other level, too. It was getting popularized by T-Pain. Right. You know, and he like flipped it. You know what yeah. I mean? So. Good old T-Pain. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But yeah, yeah. so he, he talked about the Taylor Swift thing and sometimes... You know, that's what it takes is just being bold and you're going to be labeled. And mm-hmm. I think we both agree that may not have been the best way to do it. But <laughs> yeah. he did say, the gentleman I was talking to, he did say those kind of things and those mm-hmm. kind of bold moves Kanye did and continues to do mm-hmm. opens doors for Kendrick Lamar, mm-hmm. for J. Cole to be more honest with their music. And yeah, hey, like uh, there's already this guy that you can always attack. 
Mm-hmm. Lupe Fiasco has been doing it for a while. Then mm-hmm. they're like, let's just throw this hyper activist title on them. Mm-hmm. What Kendrick's doing is cool. We like what Kendrick's doing. Mm-hmm. Maybe, you know, people don't realize what he's saying behind Wesley's theory and King Kunta, but yeah. it's, uh, <laughs> I don't think he's getting the ridicule he would be getting if it wasn't for mm. people like Kanye and even up the definitely doors. before yeah. Kanye. I mean, all yeah. those old school um, hip hop enthusiasts are gonna get mad at me for glorifying Kanye that much when Karis <laughs> won and yeah, NWA's yeah. been doing it for a while. But Give it up to them. Yeah. yeah, continuously yeah, yeah. Kanye is trying to push the envelope and like, hey, I mm-hmm. think Hollywood thinks they're this diverse thing and mm-hmm. the music industry thinks they're at this level when in reality we're still a long ways to go. Yeah, and we still got a big journey ahead of us. Definitely. So, I don't know. I don't know if we did yeah. uh, enough to back up Kanye, but <laughs> if, when he talks about writing his own book of the Bible, yeah, it makes it so know. hard. Come on, I man. I mean, I usually say it like this, man. I, as an artist, I think I appreciate him more as an artist than his personality. You know, because I, I, admittedly, I mean, anybody can say he has this huge ego. You know what I mean? But as an artist, I think he's, I do think he's a genius, um, artistic genius for real. Um, he has his way of saying something like that's that's really conscious and, and thought provoking but then right afterward like i'm talking like in his songs right afterwards it's like the most ignorant thing but then it works because i think it gets people's attention you know what i mean it gets people who wouldn't otherwise listen to to vibe with it so right. do yeah. you have any advice for i'm, I'm working again with mm-hmm. uh, a different demographic of youth mm-hmm. that enjoy spoken word they've been i think it's the good thing about spoken word and that avenue is that it's becoming a lot more popular and safe Mm -hmm. to do yeah at the same time i'm sure you hear over and over again i'm just not talented Mm -hmm. i can't rhyme i'm not creative that's the one that like hurts me the (laughs) most it's like i'm not creative it's like (sighs) you're a created being right i think everyone has uh, a spark you are the definition of creative yeah but mm-hmm. what what are some of the things that you tell your youth or mm-hmm. you can kind of encourage people listening? Hey, this is something you can do. Yeah. I mean, you don't have to be Picasso. You don't have to be exactly. Kendrick Lamar, but you can find your voice. Yeah. Yeah. Everyone has a spark of creativity. And sometimes it seems like getting started is the hardest part. But I say just start like those those baby steps are still steps. Nevertheless, um, like don't don't put it off. Like, don't wait for perfection i think that's what the problem is mm. is we expect perfection we we compare ourselves to the picassos to michelangelo to kanye to whoever you know and it's like nah just be you do you boo boo you know what i mean like mm-hmm. like just express yourself and and there's gonna be growth because um there's this thing uh what, what was it called it's called like the gap the gap uh, i can't remember exactly the term but there's like a book written about it and they talk about how people oftentimes give up art like if they're learning a new musical instrument they'll give it up because there's that gap to where you're gonna suck at first it just happens when you're doing something that you've never done before oftentimes um but then you have to suck for a while and then you get good and then you enjoy it and you appreciate it more um but far too often people will just give up because they suck (laughs) and it's like you're gonna suck yeah that's the point that's what i would say actually is is like embrace um like sucking uh give yourself permission to fail Mm -hmm. and and don't allow that to deter you from from growing and from learning i mean failure is just this weird concept anyways like it depends on what you know who's standard by whose standard are you failing because really 
you could look at failure and just say it's a learning opportunity. It's a learning experience. You know, I did something. I didn't really like it. Let me try it different next time, you know, and continue to grow. So uh, I think that's really what it is. Like, don't compare yourself to other people. Be yourself. Be unique. Be an individual and, and continue to, to learn and grow. Persevere even when you feel like you suck. I know it's been a couple of years, <laughs> but uh, maybe longer. Do you <laughs> remember your first piece that you did that really had you thinking, this is when I'm <laughs> going to get serious? Yeah. Mean, this is a piece where I feel like I'm expressing myself the way I want to. I know mm. you you said you mentioned you've been writing things since the uh, playground days. Yeah. But I'm sure there was a piece where it kind of yeah. focused your mind into knowing that this is what I want to do. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm trying to think back, man. I'm thinking back to the high school days when I first wrote a poem. That was I'm trying to think of like the when I was like, yeah, like, this is real. This is what I want to do. Um yeah, I wrote you know, when I started winning competitions and stuff, and I realized that other people appreciated it besides just just myself. Like it wasn't cuz initially it was something that was very therapeutic for me and very personal cuz I wrote to express things that were hard for me to articulate to my friends and my family, especially when I like I was sick for a long period of time. I was in and out of the hospital. Um, and so I was like, yo, this, this poetry is like medicine to me. And so I started writing pieces. I had teachers who were like, Hey, you know, should enter this in a competition or whatever. And I was hesitant. And I did. And I started winning, um, you know, just a handful of them throughout high school and, that's when I was like, yeah, this is this is real. Like, it's actually that people legit. actually appreciate what you're producing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, mm-hmm. Um, that's great, man. And we have a treat today because you said uh, you agreed to yeah. do a piece to sure. close the show. Yeah, I think we're about that time now. I cool. do really appreciate you coming on though and just sharing your vision, your drive. I really, really, really admire that part where you say the the thing that has that helps you continue to go and move forward is that teaching aspect mm, empowering yeah. the younger generation definitely um the future right and mm. you not being that old still on the yeah, younger still side in the 20s yeah. right still in the 20s <laughs> 20s are the best yeah yeah you still being in your 20s and already mm. thinking about the next generation is huge because usually that doesn't start to happen when we need to start letting go of our possessions and dreams because we're mm. we're at the latter part of our life yeah. but you still may not even be in your prime yet yeah. are already thinking about hey who's next mm-hmm. who's next who's next because this battle is not an individual battle it's not at all man this, this is a group effort this is something a revolution can't be led by one person mm-hmm. and we've mentioned people like dr keen and malcolm x all respect to them yeah but it was never about the single person absolutely yeah i mean even they knew that and that's what made them so influential because they understood that the power was in the people and right and they're continuing to empower people today exactly yeah 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 and i mean it goes back to what i said about the the power over or the power with i think every day we have a choice of like are we going to try to like like just grapple and try to get more power for ourselves are we going to try to find ways to work collectively in a community and to empower others and work alongside people for the changes that we want to see so um yeah man that's what it comes down to at the end of the day man so that's why it 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 really fires me up to to think about these kids man when you see when you look in their eyes and you see that that they're they're getting it that they finally realize that they can make changes in their community and they found something they care about they want to impact like man nothing beats that when you see that for sure kids eyes for sure 
what are you uh what are you gonna share with us today yeah man um i don't know i think i'm gonna do this piece called dreamers manifesto we kind of talked a little about a little bit about dreams and uh talked about the kids and that's what inspired this this piece uh was as i've gotten older i've i've wondered have i lost some of my fire like as a kid you know you look at a kid in their eyes and you see this fire this passion and you're like yo that's what's going to change the world i don't want to lose that um so i wrote this poem to remind myself and anyone else to never lose that that dream that god-given dream that's planted inside of all of us um to not lose that yeah There's a fire deep inside us. Our heart is roaring like a lion. Our spirit soaring like an eagle with our fish in the sky screaming power to the people. We know good will triumph over evil. That's why we reach high, even when we feel low. Yeah, that's right. This here is our credo, mandated to be greater than even our greatest hero. No one's as special, unique, and as rare as you. Go on and be the best you can be. I dare you. Don't let nothing stop you. Don't let nothing scare you. Don't fear to die. Don't fear to live. Don't fear to rise. Don't fear to fall. If there's any fear at all, any fear that's true, it's the fear that you might really do what you came here to do, and that's dream big. Dream like a little kid. Dream you can do things that nobody ever did. You got a dream. You got a dream. They think I'm sleeping, but I'm scheming like I'm a genius, seeking lifetime less achievements. Deep sea diving, mountain climbing, flying higher, skyward wingless. Unifying dreams to real life to the feels like they're seamless. It seems as if we've been jaded and deceived with trading purpose and meaning for comfort and convenience. But for what is worth, I'm searching for creative freedom to make something out of nothing, something we can make believe in. Because I know it takes a childlike faith to birth and raise a dream when the haters always try to change your angels into demons. So don't choke down that hopeful passion that you have inside. Don't try to tame the fire as if its flame has died. No dream wild and awake with your bright eyes open wide. For life is but a dream only if we dream alive. You gotta dream big. Dream like a little kid. Dream you can do things that nobody ever did. You gotta dream, y'all. Thank you for listening to the Dead Sea Podcast. The theme song is performed by The Bushies. Check them out on Facebook or iTunes now.